0: Trademarks owned by Beckel AB to CV, 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.
1: The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Hey, dude. What's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God!
2: You want a podcast? Great. They have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian.
0: Ah, yes, it is finally here. It is the biggest UFC fight week of 2017. And you know what? We appreciate you making us a part of it for you. Good Monday to you, October 30th, 2017. Episode 129 of the Anakin Florian podcast. Ken Flo, how goes the battle out there in SoCal? Can you even call it a battle in SoCal? What are you guys battling out there? I don't know. It's
3: it's really cloudy right now. I don't even know what to do with myself. TJ, it's pretty cloudy over here in in Los Angeles. Yeah, but it's teasing me because it's not raining. Yeah, true. Well, You guys got
0: some heat there right now, though.
3: Decent. And it's like, what, 70? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, perfect. perfect. It's It's perfect
3: weather, dude. We don't have to deal with hurricanes. I mean, an earthquake is probably coming, but whatever. I've had three fires within six miles of my house. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. That's not good. Not a fan. No
0: matter where you are, there's always something. But we're here in South Florida, and finally, it looks like Las Vegas. It was like 55 degrees at times over the weekend, so... The Bostonian and me very much enjoying a little chill down here in Florida. But most of the year, uh, we're sweating 530 in the morning, walking the dog. Well, anyway, this is a huge show for us, of course, because one George St. Pierre, Ken Flo's former teammate, is going to grace the Octagon this Saturday night for the first time in four years. It's five days out. It doesn't even feel real right now, Ken Flo. Uh, But today also feels big for us because, as some of you may know by now, the Anakin Florian podcast has agreed to a licensing deal with Fox Sports, and this is very exciting for us as we try to take this show to the next level, Kenny. So this is something we've been working on really for most of this year, and thankfully just before the biggest UFC pay-per-view of 2017. Anakin Florian Podcast, Fox Sports, we are one.
3: Yeah, man, I'm excited. Uh, This is something we've been working on for a little while, and uh, for it to finally come to fruition uh, is just great, man. We're going to be able to reach... Uh, more fans, in my opinion, there's no doubt about that, and uh, just be able to interact uh, with this very passionate USC fan base and, and take it all to the next level, dude. All
0: right, a few details, and then I promise we will get to the fight. So you can still access the show in all of the usual spots, iTunes, SoundCloud, all of that. Now, though, you'll also be able to do so through the Fox Sports channels of distribution, uh, which is just huge for us, and I think positions us to get the show potentially in the ears and in the homes and everything else of a lot of people that, that don't even know the show exists. So that is a good thing. Uh, slowly, but surely we're also going to enhance the show over the next several months to include video and graphics. Ultimately though, in terms of content and format, uh, that's going to go largely unchanged. You're still getting a fresh episode every Monday. Ray Longo is still going to have his Ray Longo minute coming up here today. And real quick, Kenny, I just want to thank the listeners, um, without whom none of this would be happening. Uh, You've helped us grow. Many of you have been with us from the second or third episode, and you put us in a position to keep this thing going, um, while our wives ask us why more money isn't coming in on the damn show. So (laughs) the least we can do is pass along our appreciation, thanks to Ray Longo, of course, our weekly staple, Uh, our producer, TJ DeSantis, thank you, the man who first encouraged me to even dip my toe into the podcast waters. so very exciting thanks to the folks at Fox Sports Peter Murphy Mike Buckland Neil Foley and all the names I'm leaving out everybody who made this partnership possible as we hope for big things for the Anakin Florian podcast uh, in 2018 and beyond let's get to him
4: headlines
0: it's time for headlines
4: I have some very
2: urgent and important breaking news headlines
0: on the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast all right, so UFC Sao Paulo recap. Ken Flo, here's the part of your week where you get to do your post-fight show again. I actually watched <laughs> the whole thing this morning. By the way, I don't know if you can see me. I got the tough talk. Oh, wow. Going that today. is support right there. We don't watch that Solid. show anymore because Ken Flo is no longer part of it. That's right. <laughs> but so UFC Sao Paulo, Brunson versus Machida. And I don't always, before we do the show, get a chance to hear what you think about the fights on the post-fight show before we sit down. But I think we're in unison on this, at least in terms of the story being Derek Brunson and not Leoto Machida returning from an extended layoff here. And I was glad that you highlighted just how elite a middleweight this is. And on the strength of this win, despite what happened against Robert Whitaker, a few fights back, Derek Brunson has put himself now in prime position here at 185 pounds.
3: Now, I knew this was possible, that Derek Brunson was able to uh, beat Machida and beat him by knockout just based on his natural uh, gift of power in that left hand. But, you know, to see it actually play out uh, against a Machita who was looking pretty sharp on the counter, was uh, retreating and able to counter Brunson. There was perhaps a moment where Brunson just looked a little bit frustrated, couldn't really get his hands uh, on Machita. But, you know, this is why he's been facing all that tough competition was for a performance like this where you can learn from uh, past so-called failures where a lot of the fans like to look at it like, oh, you know, that's it, he's done. He lost against Anderson Silva or, you know, he he failed against Romero. Well, those were all uh, experiences for him to improve, learn from, and get better, and that high-level competition Uh, led him to this amazing performance here against Machida. And uh, Derek Brunson that is putting it together now and able to adjust like he did against a true veteran uh, and a former champion, Leon Machida, is a very, very dangerous fighter. And I give him a chance against anyone out there. As good as Luke Rockhold is... I don't know if Rockhold wants his fight against Brunson because if he gets caught against someone like Brunson, it could be over. You know, He can't do the same thing that he did against someone like David Branch. And the fact that Brunson still and always will have his wrestling in his back pocket, um, he's going to
0: be a threat for a very long time. Someone suggested on Twitter that a fight between Derek Brunson and Chris Weidman would have legs. I don't disagree. If Ray Longo is believed to... To be a man of his word, it seems as though the fight they want to make is Chris Weidman versus Jacare Sousa, mm. Uh and that would leave potentially Rocco versus Brunson. Of course, Luke is, is hoping that he can get another crack at Michael Bisping or George St. Pierre. And you'll hear from UFC welterweight champion Tyron Woodley later in the program today. I'd imagine he thinks as well that he facts faxed- Factors into that mix in terms of who the GSP Bisping winner would be facing. But for Derek Brunson, Kenny, last six UFC wins all by first round knockout, a lot of them against high level competition. And other than that suicide mission, as striking coach Colin Oyama called it against the UFC's interim middleweight champion Robert Whitaker, it has been a really good two or three years for Derek Brunson. Had that fight in February against Anderson Silva, a decision that easily could have gone his way. Maybe Silva getting the benefit of the doubt there from the judges for his octagon control. I don't know. But the body of work for Derek Brunson is strong to quite strong. And people are always going to knock him against elite competition until he gets that signature win. I think despite the fact that Machida is coming off a layoff here, I think you can quantify this as a signature win. And let's also not forget what he did a couple years ago as a far less fighter against Joel Romero, he got some things done. So I would agree yeah. with you. I think Derek Brunson is not just willing, but he is able and ready to to take his shots at this division's elite.
3: Yeah, I, I really believe so. And again, you, you can argue this fight here against Machita was that signature win. This is a guy who's a yeah. former champion. Um and, and I really think that Brunson's putting it all together right now.
0: It is amazing, too, at times how people want to take away from athletes when they rise, right? And in other sports, we talk all the time. In Major League Baseball, you win one nothing, Nobody gives a shit, right? But in this sport, style points are very important. And when you beat Leota Machida coming off a two-year layoff, maybe it doesn't ring as true as it would have had Machida been in a regular active competition schedule. But we're not taking anything away from Derek Brunson on these airwaves, you can be sure. Nice to see him win that $50,000 bonus. He's got a lot of children. Ken Flo can't relate yet, but boy, man, <laughs> when these fathers get these bonuses, I feel good for them, and I feel good for Derek Brunson. He's a good guy. And a lot of people thought, too, that that Whitaker setback, in terms of the championship picture, it was going to be too much for Derek Brunson to overcome. Well, main event showcase here, road favorite in Sao Paulo, and it really couldn't have gone much better for Derek Brunson. So, congratulations to uh, to DB. Also, congratulations to Colby Covington. Goes into Sao Paulo, incites a city, if not an entire nation. Asked for this fight against Damian Maya, got it, and largely dominated the fight after after Maya started pretty strong on the feet. Ken Flo.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Listen, a wrestler striker is always going to be a difficult matchup for a guy who strictly comes from that jiu-jitsu background. And, of course, Damian Maya has been extremely successful with jiu-jitsu. Um, but when you're not able to get that takedown, man, and, and you're forced to strike with someone, it's going to be tough. And I think Damian Maya coming off that fight against Tyron Woodley where perhaps he was criticized or felt that it wasn't the most exciting of fights, felt like he had to deliver a performance that just was not in his repertoire. I mean, he's not that kind of guy, and his his feet just got caught in quicksand. He wasn't moving, and I think a lot of that was because of those damn calf kicks uh, from Colby right. Covington. The landing again and again, that's going to slow you down on the lead leg. So Maya really wasn't getting a lot of competent shots off um, against Covington. He was up on his knees and Covington was sprawling on him, making him pay with some ground and pound. Um, so it was a tough fight for Maya. Maya was doing quite well in the first round. I actually thought he won that first round. He was landing shots, yeah. he cut up uh, Covington. But Maya just couldn't keep up that pace. Covington just had too much dog in him. You know what I mean? And he, and he basically made it. Uh, a sink or swim kind of fight he said come into the deep waters with me let's tread water let's get crazy let's see who can stay who can withstand it and uh Maya just could not he's that he's not that kind of fighter took a lot of damage and I don't know if it was one of the down blocks uh, uh, the wrestling of of Covington or if it was a shot um that he maybe countered him with but in the third round Maya was bleeding all over the place did not look good uh, unfortunate because I've been such a long time a Damian Maya fan. Uh, love what he does. He, he's the epitome of a true martial artist, but uh, just couldn't get it done in his hometown.
0: I hated this spot for Damian Maya going in, Kenny, though. And we talked about it some on the air, but I think more yeah. off the air. The Masvidal fight in May and the accompanying weight cut down to 171 pounds. The title fight on relatively short notice, four or five weeks against Tyron Woodley. That was July 29th. And then turning around here against another high-level top-ten guy in Colby Covington, maybe that wasn't much of a factor, and maybe the weight is easier for Maya to manage because he's making it three times in a span of eight or nine months. But I just didn't like the spot for him. And again, I do think largely you have two fighters going in different directions. You have one fighter who is... Not yet having reached his UFC prime or his MMA prime, and, and another fighter in Damian Maya that maybe is a couple years removed from his prime. So, I didn't love the spot for Maya. As far as Covington goes, Kenny, and his ceiling, I think a lot of us think very highly of this guy. Just the one setback in the UFC, I believe, against Warley Alves. This was not his cleanest performance. Certainly did enough to get the job done. He's got the shades and the stitches to prove it, but not the best cleanest performance from Colby Covington, necessarily.
3: No, not at all. I, I mean, listen, the, the pace uh, which he kept this fight was very impressive. The toughness uh, that he portrayed in the Octagon against um, one of the best uh, welterweights in the world, Damian Maya, was very impressive. Skill-wise, um... You know, you shouldn't look that bad striking with someone like Damian Maya. And that's no offense to Maya, but Maya just has never been that high level striker. I think maybe he threw one kick the whole fight. He didn't throw really any kicks at all. It was basically boxing and, and it was brawling really more than anything else. So it was a little bit sloppy. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Covington should have had a cleaner performance, no doubt about it, especially if he's asking for that title shot against Tyron Woodley. Um, but it it was a great performance, nonetheless. Anytime you walk out of the octagon with a win, uh, you should be thanking your lucky stars, um, especially against an elite uh, fighter like Amaya. But, um, yeah, I I mean, Covington still has some work to do. There's no doubt about it on the feet, and uh, and I think this was one of those fights where he'll look back and say, okay,
0: I did this wrong, I did this
3: wrong. This is where I need to adjust and get better.
0: Do we know if Colby Covington has made his way out of Brazil? I'm not sure they're going to let him back (laughs) in the country once he leaves. Dude,
3: I mean... Yeah, I mean if you're like a TSA guy, obviously it's not called TSA huh. or whatever well, the security d- in Brazil, I'm not letting that guy through. I'm like that's the guy that insulted we're a bunch of animals. Well, let me let me let me take you into this room over here.
0: Well, and I'm telling you Kenny, you know as well as anyone and I've been down there 24 times. Yeah. They know who these UFC fighters, commentators, right? Like it's not <laughs> right. like you're in the United States and Ken Flo can <laughs> walk by the TSA, you know, they don't give a shit right in Brazil, everybody knows who all of these guys are. Yeah. And I would imagine that was somewhat of a weird navigation uh, at the airport and in the streets for Colby Covington and Sao Paulo. So what he said early on was, you know, he called the place a dump right yeah. uh, before right at the outset of fight week, I guess. And then sort of doubled down and, and called them all filthy animals after the fight. We have seen guys cut down Brazil and talk trash about the nation. Conor McGregor, Chael Sonnen. But this time, Kenny, it really seems to have struck a chord, not just with Brazilians, but a lot of people seem to be upset with Colby Covington. Largely, I, I agree with him when he says there is a little bit of a double standard. But at least in, in my recollection, this is the first time someone demonstrably called out other than, you know, your ally, Quinta, you know, telling the Virginia crowd to, you know, fuck off or whatever. But this is the first time <laughs> I can remember after a win, a guy getting on the mic and taking it Another step for
3: he doubled down, right? I mean, it- uh, that was crazy. Um, he barely got out of the arena. I mean, they were throwing stuff at him. Uh, so that was not good. Uh, but man, like he's got to be careful because, you know, in Brazil, th- there's a lot of people that are very hungry over there and your life really isn't worth much over there I mean there's there's guys at 10 15 20 bucks they'll take your life for you gladly and and if you're insulting them with all that stuff that that is not good man uh, Sao Paulo can get uh can get dangerous at times so uh not not a, not a good place to say that and it's just disrespectful and, and I get it leading up to the fight as far as hyping the fight you can talk about your opponent whatever you know but uh continuing to insult a, a country and a crowd I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. but
0: I think some of Colby Covington's trash talk and some of his tweets have been absolute gold. I think there have been a lot of misses there as well, Kenny. And it's sort of a weird voice that I'm trying to wrap my head around, right? right. Colby Covington's social media voice because it doesn't dovetail with the guy on the microphone. I think mm-hmm. his artic- articulation skills on a microphone could improve, and I think you know that will maybe make it align more with what we're seeing on social media. But he has put himself in the mix, not just as a welterweight contender, but as someone that people one way or another care about, right? I mean, this was a late show Eastern Standard Time, Kenny, and I'm I'm trying to set my alarm to wake up and see this fight because Covington sort of got me in. So this is sort of the world in which we operate, for better or for worse. I think largely it's for worse, but it's hard for me to sit here and blame guys for going on the offensive verbally when it is going to help i think more than it's going to hurt in the long run in terms of their career progression
3: there's a reason he got this fight there's a reason he got this fight is cuz he's talking about it he's people are talking about him the things that he's saying um and it's very easy to get lost in the shuffle in the UFC especially in this crazy welterweight division so people are people are realizing that you know the more verbal you are you know the more vocal you are i should say um and the more you ask for fights the the more that you build up these fights you're going to get them if you're sitting there quiet um you know no no one's going to care about you so colby definitely
0: knows that well that's why Camflo said I finish fights people i mean let's be honest <laughs> it was more like so I real finish quick, fights it, but yeah, yeah it was like it was. That, but yeah. now your voice all chopped up from being a broadcaster <laughs> it would be like i finish fights i finish fights yeah So real quick, and we're going to get to Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, Kamaru Usman agreed to fight Emile Mech at UFC 219 December 30th. But on Sunday, Usman tweeted, bum ass Colby Covington says I duck him. The UFC just offered him the fight for December 30th. Let's see who is the duck. So we have seen this a few times in the UFC where a fight is booked and then maybe they insert a bigger name. So it seems as though if you take Kamaru Usman at his word that Colby Covington was offered that fight two months from today. So we'll see if Mech is out and Covington is in against Kamaru Usman. I think that fight has a lot of legs. And ultimately, I think it's that type of matchup on the on the back end of a Maya win that is going to get Colby Covington where where he wants to be, because there's still a lot of names at the top of that welterweight division that he's going to have to get past or leapfrog to get that highly sought title fight against Tyron Woodley. All right, now with us on the guest line, he is the reigning, defending, undisputed UFC welterweight champion. He's got his SAG card. He's got his own TMZ show now as well, Ken Flo. The Hollywood beatdown with Tyron Woodley, even the name and the marquee, the great T. Wood is with us now. Tyron, how's it going, man? It's
1: going good, man. It's funny you say that. I'm opening up mail. Looking at a little sag with Juju checks. <laughs> and um, I'm, flexing. I'm getting ready to flex my muscle because I know Benjamin is going to want to come after me after he saw the last episode.
0: <laughs> well, the, the, the <laughs> movie credits already. Sultan Olympus has fallen, of course, straight out of Compton. So, dude, the the acting chops starting to pile up. How'd this show come together, the Hollywood Beatdown?
1: You know, it's funny. I was a guest host for TMZ quite a few times. Um, it's my opportunity to just kind of lay back and let my hair down. You know, be myself, you know, not that I'm not myself on Fox, but, you know, just working on Fox, as you know, you got to have a certain filter. You can't say certain things. And, um, you know, it's politically incorrect to, um, you know, to, to voice your opinion on certain stuff. So Harvey said, man, you got a great future in this. You know, you, you're one of my favorite analysts. And, um, you know, I, I really enjoy watching you on television, which was a, a big up from the guy that owns TMZ. So he, right. he said that, and then he came up with the idea, hey, let's do a show together. And I said, okay, let's start tomorrow then. Let's do it. So We got it done. And just the, the theme of the show is just to be something different than TMZ and TMZ Sports. Actually bring in an athlete, somebody who, you know, got some, some ties in a professional sports outside the MMA, ties into the entertainment, you know, sometimes a strong political view. And let's just have fun with it. He got a good sense of humor. And, you know, he's really quick when it comes down to going back and forth. So they put it together. So far, man, we've been smashing hundreds of thousands of views on Facebook. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about the future of it.
0: Well, it's great, man. It's a good fit. And I think they got the right guy. So in terms of the fighting stuff, you have been the UFC welterweight champion now for 15 months or so. You've successfully de- defended the belt three times. Do you like this life being the hunted and having to respond to everybody calling you out seemingly every time there's a UFC show? Or, or is this getting kind of tiresome at this point?
1: Um, it's not getting tiresome, you know. I, I know better than to get people a platform. You know, it was, it was a couple of times when me and Connor got into our little spiff. Uh, she around this time last year, to be honest, um, during the, the UFC 205 in New York. And what someone probably grabbed him and told him is, hold on, man, you got mil- millions of followers. You're going back and forth with Tyron. All you're doing is giving him tens of thousands of followers, which he did, so thank you the right away. But but, but uh, my followers started jumping up, 10, 20,000 of followers really quickly, people that wanted to cut my head off. because There's from Ireland also, people that was finally um, sent somebody that wasn't, you know, going to allow Conor McGregor to, to, to kind of go after them. So I know better than to give these people a platform. You know, they should want to fight me. They should want to try to be um, a champion. If you're in the sport of martial arts and that's not your goal, you need to give it up because this is too hard of a sport, too much time away from your life, too many sacrifices for you not to try to be the best in the world. I do think it's the way you go about it. Some guys are going about in a very corny way. Some guys are actually <laughs> going out there and fighting, winning, and earning their key. Those are the guys I respect, and it's honor and standing across the octagon from those guys.
3: T-Wood, uh, h- how's the shoulder? I know last time we heard that you injured your shoulder. How is the shoulder, and uh, are you training right now?
1: Can't fly. What's up, man? What up, T-Wood? <laughs> now, hey, you know what? My shoulder's not what it should be, but... Um, this past weekend, it was a couple of people bumping their gums about my fight, and I was like, you know what? I can actually beat this person with my shoulder the way that it is, so <laughs> could I fight and compete? Yes, would it be very smart, especially with your belt on the line with, you know, several, you know, figures on the line? Probably not. So I was trying to go the route of maybe um, doing a stem cell, doing a PRP instead of the surgery, and just kind of rehabbing it and see how strong I can get it first, so I can make that decision. Mm. And as I'm strengthening the shoulder, and as I'm, you know, getting to that point, well, I got to make a decision pretty soon. Um, I'm leaning towards not doing a full blown reconstruction, but maybe a, a, a smaller version of it, where they just scope out the parts of the labrum that was torn that's stuck in between. Um, that's causing it to catch, and it's causing it to click, it's causing it to pop. So I think they're going to just take that portion out, anchor it down inject stem cells, inject PRP on the way out of the surgery, and hopefully I'm back in three or four months.
3: Nice, man. Um, well, listen, before we get into the, the big fight this weekend between uh, Bisping and GSP, first of all,
1: wh- how
3: much has the sport changed in the last four years? C- c- is, can GSP keep up with the current state of the sport?
1: Uh, I think GSP, when he was in his prime, I'm not saying that he's not in his prime now. Age-wise, he's still fairly young for the sport. But when he was in his prime, it was GSP and everybody else. Remember how dope John Fitch was? John Fitch was beating um, Diego Sanchez. He was beating everybody. But when he matched up against um, um, Joseph St. Pierre, it was just no way he was going to win that fight. And he had created that separation not in one year, not in two years, but just multiple, multiple years of training with the best um, access he had to, you know, Olympic-level wrestlers. Freddie Roach, um, the highest-level boxing coach he can get. And, you know, just all his coaches, John, is jiu-jitsu coach, he put himself in a great position, um, being selfish, rightfully so, to just focus on himself, being the very, very best. And that showed in Isegon. He can take anybody down. I still think to this day, you know, him, Dominique Cruz, and potentially DJ, uh, I I would have to say that GSP has the best timing. You know, Mm -hmm. his ability to take down – multiple-time national champion wrestler uh, John Kosche. He took down multiple-time national champion wrestler Johnny Hendricks, took down freaking uh, Purdue captain John Fish. When it comes down to a wrestling match, maybe he won't take those guys down there, but when you incorporate proper jab and time and slipping punches, he had a way of getting in on the legs and finishing strong, and I think that's something that Bisping has to really look out for.
3: So who wins the fight? Can he compete against uh, a very large Michael Bisping?
1: I'm not even... I'm not even on a point where I'm trying to, like, uh, not make anybody mad. Uh-huh. It's just really hard to say. I think that the size advantage of, of, of Bisming and his volume, his pressure, and not only that, his ability to take a punch is going to keep him in the fight. I think George St. Pierre is a more skilled martial artist overall. I think he might not punch, as, um, punch with as much volume as Bisping, but I think he's tough. He's shown, you know, he was in a fight with Carlos Condit, nearly got finished with a kick, mm-hmm. got his bears down, finished the fight on Strong. So these guys are both shown to be tough. His timing is going to be better. He's going to be able to take Bisling down. Biswing's obviously trying to play on the, the mental edge. To, oh, you just want to take me down. Kind of use a reverse psychology to try to get him to, you know what I mean, to stand up and bang with him. Yeah. So it's very hard to say, you know, is the weight advantage going to play in fact for, for Biswing, making it more difficult to take down. Is the volume going to play? In effect? it's very
0: hard. It's a toss-up to me. UFC welterweight champion Tyron Woodley with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So we're going to make a donation to a charity in your name if you can correctly predict your next opponent. And I pose it that way because I think most people believe in this mix of George St. Pierre, maybe Michael Bisping, Jorge Masvidal with a win over Stephen Thompson and the RDA Robbie Lawler winner. Are you of the belief that your next opponent comes out of that mix or not necessarily?
1: I think my next opponent is going to be the winner of Bismanck and George St. Pierre. You know, I think that's my next fight. Um, you know, victorious in that fight, I think you see me move up to a different weight class. All and right, well, it's, and it's tough for me to say because at one point in time, you look at one, two, and three, I beat them. I beat one, two, three, five. And if Kelvin Gasol and Johnny Hendricks were in the mix, I beat them as well. Um, Tarek Safadine, who just got bumped out. Dunya Kim, who just got bumped out. People have a short-term memory on what my resume is and my finishing ability. You know, out of 17, 18 victories, 11 of those are finishes, nine of those in the first round. Um, sometimes when you're fighting the actual number one contenders, which very few uh, champions are doing these days and age, you're fighting the Stephen Thompson, you're fighting the Damian Maia, these fights aren't going to be blowouts. You know, sometimes it's a it's a fourth quarter field goal that wins a fight. Sometimes it's, a, you know, a grind, and you know what I mean? It comes down to the last straw. And if, if you know you can do that, you can come out fast and blitz somebody in the first round, you can be losing a fight and come behind and win, or you can pull out a close one. It's like it's like bowling. Everything's not a strike. You gotta be able to catch those spares in there.
0: And I do think people tend to lose sight of what you have accomplished on paper. And I guess Rafael Dos Anjos made it a little bit easy on you with the call out for a potential interim belt, calling out a champion that has been as active over the last calendar year as any in the UFC. So, all right, before we let you go, I know your sons wrestle, but got That's a joke, by some? the way. Well, no, <laughs> I think, I, but, well, I think like, interim belts are a joke, to my opinion.
1: Well, and, I wouldn't and, and be proud if you wanted to carry around a fake belt.
0: And Kenny and I sort of disagree on the interim thing, but for a champion like you who has four times in a calendar year fought in title fights, it just obviously doesn't make a ton of sense. Hey, before I let you go, I know your sons wrestle, but it looks like they all play football right now. Is your schedule allowing you to see some of these games? Dude, they're crushing it.
1: Well, you know what? My, my sons are completely decent right now. You know, um, I got a, a 14-year-old son that weighs, shit, he weighs a 190. DJs. 190 plays wow. running back, um, oh, about five foot seven. Uh, he's out there looking like Devonte Freeman, running people over. Put up, <laughs> put up, um, 18 points yesterday and touchdowns. Um, I just went on a, Actually, that's where I'm coming from now. I'm going to visit all these private schools, so he's being highly touted out by all the private schools in St. Louis because um, he's just such a big athletic kid. And I got a nine-year-old who's probably the best running back in the country. His team's ranked second or third nationally, and uh, once he hit that corner, nobody can catch him. So it's been a pleasure that I've been able to watch football games. And sometimes things are blessing in the skies. Had, had I been, you know, competing and training to a fight for UFC um, 217 in New York, I might have missed the entire season just due to, you know, being in Florida, being in Milwaukee. But I've been able to be there. I've only missed one or two games all season. And, man, it's just a pleasure to to go through this process with my sons. Nobody did that for me. My dad wasn't around. You know, private schooling, please, we had free lunch. It was I wasn't even getting a bag of chips uh, on top of, you know, getting a private – Private school education, so I'm just excited to be in this position of my life where I can afford it, um, to send my son to the best education possible, um, and also just you know kind of dictate his future and showing him early on this is what you're going to do when you go to college. These are the decisions you're going to make in life, and just giving them a step ahead.
0: Are you flying in for uh, UFC 217 this weekend or no?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm flying in. Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm working in. the got desk a, with the them. appearances and stuff okay. to do, and uh, I'll be calling it. Um, Calling it, not calling it. That's what you guys do. I need mean, to I'll be at the desk analyzing it as, as you guys calling it.
3: I'll be with you, buddy. I'll see you over there in New York.
0: All right, cool. UFC, Welterweight, King Tyron, Willie. You know, this is our first show of Fox Sports, T-Wood, by the way, so I want to make sure we brought at least one A-lister today. So so thanks for making the time, and uh, hey. we'll see you in a few days.
1: Congrats on that as well, guys. Thanks,
0: All right, buddy. Man. Have a good day. We'll uh, see you in a few days in New York. All right, buddy. I think Fox actually wanted Woodley's podcast, can flow. It's called The Morning Wood Show with these nuts, uh, but it, it was not available. Uh, we beat him out. Maybe. We edged him out. Wouldn't have been the best fit. Dean Thomas, though, uh, funny prick. Good stuff yeah, yeah. there from, from T. Wood today. All right, support for the Anakin Florian podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. It's simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button, and in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash ANIC, rocketmortgage.com slash A-N-I-K, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, and ConsumerAccess.org number 33rd. All right, now with us on the guest line, one of the best welterweights in the world, and a guy who I think gets as much respect from his fellow fighters, I think, as anyone in the game, a 45-fight legend who this Saturday night is set to compete yet again at Madison Square Garden on pay-per-view. He is Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. Thanks for taking the time today, man. How's it going?
5: Oh, that was a serious ass introduction, man. That was a well, serious hey. introduction. I'm doing great, my brother. How you guys doing, man?
0: I'm doing good. I was on that Fight Store website looking at Jorge Gamebred Masvidal t-shirts today. I think I'm getting the royal blue. Um, so are you oh, still <laughs> are you still are you still in Miami flying to New York tomorrow or are you already in in town?
5: No, I'm in Miami flying to New York today. I was in a plane for about six hours waiting instead of just telling us, Hey, the flight's canceled. They kept me on the plane for six hours. Then they canceled the flight and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I missed a bunch of interviews, money making opportunities I had set up for Monday. So
0: thanks to oh, American
5: airlines for that.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll put a little something extra in your paycheck, uh, but we'll keep it quick. <laughs> so dude, you're 32 years old, 15th year as a pro dating to 2003. I mean, level with me. How, how is the body holding up at this point of your career?
5: Oh, thank God. Amazing man. I mean yeah. there's days that I don't feel like I'm thirty two. I feel like I'm fifty two, you know, but for the most yeah. part my body's been good, man. Um I never I never put nothing in my body. This is what you see. You see you see me at eighteen years old when I turned pro, till now I put on more muscle, sometimes I, I take a fight more seriously, I'm a little bit leaner or things like that. But you've never seen me with Vitor Velve or traps or, or looking like I'm a bodybuilder. I've never put juice in my body. So my body doesn't have these crazy repercussions for doing shit that I shouldn't have done, you know. I think that's one of the main reasons why my body is held up so well for so long.
0: So back in May, you fought Damian Maya. Many thought you did enough to win the fight, myself included. And that, of course, a win there would have resulted in your first UFC title shot. But you've always had the reputation of a guy who takes on all comers Now it's Steven Wonderboy Thompson. Obviously, he's high in the rankings, but why why did this matchup and this fight appeal to you?
5: Well, because, one, he has 10 rounds with the champ. You know, he has that draw with the champ, which a lot of people thought he won. And the second fight was also close, you know. So I I, I just wanted to get as close as I can to fighting for the championship. So the next best thing for me was, was Thompson, obviously. At the time that I took the fight, he was ranked number one. I don't know if he still is. But at the time that I took it he was number one, so I said, Yeah, that's a no brainer. We we have to go after this guy. You know, that that's been my plan since my journey of the UFC since I signed that dotted line coming over from Strike Force. I thought I was just gonna be fighting top notch fighter after top notch fighter. Finally now, several years later it's happening, but at least it's happening though.
3: Jorge, it seems like the most difficult thing about getting ready for someone like Wonderboy is, is getting training partners that can mimic his style, his movement, his rhythm. what did you do to uh Get ready for
5: him. Oh, we brought in my boy Remy, which is a uh, uh, huge background in taekwondo and karate from Lebanon, and this guy is just uh spitting image or, or, or better. You know, he's real, real crafty and real good with the kick, some explosive kicking. You know, just from n- n- not having to wind up the kick or do even a switch, he could just right from where he's at. He could... Boom! Shoot it off like a like a shotgun shot, you know. So it was it was a real treat to have him in. And and uh, I mean, I, I there's plenty of karate guys in Miami too that that I use to to get myself ready. But we're more than ready as far as the sparring partners. Is,
3: is there any way that you can be denied a title shot if you go out there and knock out someone like Wonder Boy?
5: Kenny, I, you know me and you come from different eras. I think where back in the day. Actions spoke louder than words. Now, if somebody's screaming, ripping the shirt off, acting like a fucking fool, Mm. it just goes a little bit further. So I would like to say me beating Thompson should be the end of all discussion. Right. But nowadays, who knows, man? If somebody does something stupid, puts out a sex tape or, I don't know, buys a Gucci shirt and then (laughs) takes a picture of them with their Gucci shirt, that might get them the title shot, you know?
3: Oh, man. Uh, so yeah, I know you were fighting at 155 at, at one point. Would, is that ever a possibility? Are, are you, you're stuck here at welterweight, right? I mean, you're, you're one of the top welterweights in the world. It's just crazy to me that you used to fight a lightweight.
5: Uh, I I could go down a lightweight again wow. if the money was right. Like, if they offered me to go down there and, and whoop up on Ferguson and then fight Connor, man, I'll do it. I'll, I'll destroy my body. You know, at, at, at around 174 pounds, my body fat is percent you know I don't really have too much to work with but I could do it though I could cut out those 19 pounds of water again and go out to the battlefield and compete but it would just have to be for the right money the right situations if not if it's not nothing other than fighting for like the interim belt or the belt I'll just stay at
0: welterweight well when you did compete at lightweight I remember seeing you working out you were holding your breath underwater for what seemed like an eternity is that like something that helps you cut weight or is that just a mental exercise
5: no, that's just to calm myself down. Was I in the hot tub or the cold water?
0: You were in the cold water, and I was like, dude, can someone go yeah. get him? But you were—you seemed to be okay.
5: Yeah, that's just because I was overheating, and, and I was just down there clearing my mind, man, just just uh, getting some breathing time underwater, actually, you know, because that cold water, when when you're hot, when you've already caught, like, 15 pounds, right,
1: right when I hit
5: 15 pounds of water already, that's my, my wall. That's, that's, like, where I'm always like, oh, this is the breaking point. I got these four more pounds to go. Can I do it or not? You know, and, and right, right around there is when I start to do things like that, you know, just have to put either ice on my head or my mouth because I'm overheating. I'm, I'm dying of heat from the inside.
0: Well, at least you don't have to weigh 156 pounds this Friday. What is your walk around weight now that you're competing at 70?
5: Same exact weight as it was at 55, yeah. about 186 pounds.
0: Yeah. How about that, Jorge Mosvidal, with us here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. I know you were happy to see your boy Colby Covington. I can't even say this with keep it a straight face. Um just go into the belly of the beast, <laughs> incite the masses and and get another win there in Brazil over Damian Maia, yeah.
5: Hell yeah, man. And, and uh especially the way he did it, you know, he had the he the, the first round was tough. He took a lot of big shots, but he didn't fold under the pressure. He didn't fold it. He was in the in Brazil and then he did what I told everybody that he would do. He'd be able to uh, grappling Hard, you know, he'd be able to gas Maya out if Maya got into wrestling. These changes with it if if Kobe would have like tripped and Maya took his back, then it could have been like a problem. But it, it just what, what happened there would happen another five times. He's such a much better grappler, better athlete, and much more conditioned than Maya. So I just it was just a bad matchup for Maya.
0: It's interesting because he can't get Tyron Woodley's name out of his mouth, and obviously it makes sense because T Woods the champion, but. According to nearly everyone out there, it's his teammate and good friend you that is closer to the belt. But I guess you guys just sort of are going to let the the chips fall where they may, and and whoever gets that title crack first gets it. Is that sort of the mentality? Do you guys even talk about it?
5: Oh yeah, we've talked about it plenty, you know. And uh, we we don't want to fight each other. Obviously, we got mouths to feed. We gotta we gotta put money on the table. So the titles, when you actually finally get to make some money, when you fight for that title or if you keep that title. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of options. You know, if, if knocking out Thompson, they might offer me, hey, come down here and, and give this division some life at 155 because McConnor's right. not defending the belt, or at least at a hero. Tony probably has nobody to fight against. So if they offer me a nice paycheck to go down there, I'll go wreak havoc down there and come right back up the welterweight when everything's cleared up, you know. There's there's right. many routes I could take. But my only focus right now is to break Wonderpiece's jaw. That's Absolutely. the only thing I'm focusing on right now
0: and we can't wait to see it. I know you've also done some commentary for the UFC in Spanish. How's that going and when are you coming over to the English side, dude?
5: Oh, uh, whenever they invite me. I don't think they're ready for me in the English, man. They don't want a wild <laughs> yeah. dude like me in studio, man.
0: <laughs> I love it. All right, f- final question. Have you ever placed a bet on yourself in these 45 pro fights?
5: Numerous times, my brother. Numerous times. <laughs> I- I've actually uh gone above and beyond. I've, I've bet it um, like my whole show money on myself pretty much. You know, I've gotten like an advance from a friend and, and gone and put yeah. that on myself, you know.
0: Well, that plus 130 on Game Bread this weekend is looking juicy to a lot of bettors out there. So we wish you all the best. Jorge Mosfit All fight, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. It is this Saturday night, UFC 217. You can only see it on pay-per-view. Gamebred, appreciate the time, man. See you later this week in New York, my friend.
5: Thank you, guys, man. Love being on your show, man. You guys have a great day, man.
0: Good luck, man. Thank you, guys. There he is, Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. And, Ken Flo, you talk about a true original, right? I called one of his fights for the first time back in 2009. Just a no-nonsense guy, and I said it off the top. You say his name to fellow fighters, and the respect just comes pouring out, you know?
3: Uh, Without a doubt, dude. I mean, this was one of those guys when I was fighting, I was like, man, like, that's the guy I gotta beat one day. That's the guy I better be ready for. And he was always one of those guys as a fighter who I respected because, first of all, he fought anywhere and he fought everyone uh, in in various weight classes. um, And he was so damn good. And you knew he had that dog in him. You knew he had that fighter mentality. Um, and if you fought him, you're going to have to go through hell, uh, win or lose. Um, so it's great to finally see him uh, reach his potential as a fighter. I still don't think we've seen it quite yet. I I think this is a guy who definitely can be a champion. Um, one of the best strikers in the UFC, period, Um just a hell of a fighter and when it comes to wrestling as well you can't take him down um one of the few guys who go to the mat with Damian Maya, and, and Maya just couldn't submit him so I yep. mean that that says a lot right there he, he he's amazing
0: and most, if not all, of his losses have been against elite, top-level competition. Kenny, it's like they're all by split decision. Split yep. decision to Quinta. Split decision over five rounds to Benson Henderson, a fight you called in South Korea, I believe. Mm. Split decision loss to Lorenz Larkin. Split decision to Damian Maia, you know? Uh When he does lose, it's almost never decisive. He's impossibly difficult to put away. Yep. And this is sort of interesting how this fight came together. These guys were guest fighters in the same city. They were hosting a QA and a together. And this fight just makes a ton of sense. Of course, they both competed recently at the top of this division, both coming off losses. So I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think for Steven Wonderboy Thompson, Kenny, if he beats Jorge Masvidal, it's going to be a longer trek back to that third title fight against Tyron Woodley if he's still the champion. Whereas if Masvidal comes out here and is able to finish Wonderboy Thompson inside of 15 minutes here, I think the path opens up. I know GSP and Bisping are in that mix, but... Masvidal, despite the fact that he lost his last fight, I think has never been closer. Yeah, absolutely. Again, that
3: fight against Maya, as you said, really could have gone either way. That could have been a win for Masvidal. The fact that people aren't talking more about this fight is insane to me. This could be a co-headliner uh, on another pay-per-view if it wasn't UFC 217. Certainly a main event on any FS1 card uh, and a co-headliner on another regular, non-insane pay-per-view. Wonder Boy Masvidal is a fight I've wanted to see for a very long time. Um, And the fact that we get to see it in New York City, man, what a treat.
0: All right, we will be going further in-depth in the main event challenge. Ken Flo giving you five picks today. Everything on that UFC 217 pay-per-view main card. But now it is time to lay out for the star of the show, ladies and gentlemen, Raymond Peter Long.
2: Now, time for the Ray Longo Minute. I
1: want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute, starring Ray Longo, the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast.
0: All right, Ray Longo, first show here with Fox Sports. I know you're going to deflect it and not take any credit, but uh, without the Ray Longo Minute, my man, I'm just not quite sure this <laughs> deal gets done. Man,
2: those those fox those fox executives are sharp, boy. They are. Shop. They
0: have some business acumen. <laughs> so, uh did they call you and tell you to clean up the language, or what?
2: No, I think, uh, but hopefully, we're full, <laughs> full, full throttle, full throttle ahead.
0: So, yeah, well, I haven't cleaned it up yet. I certainly will uh, honor that request when it comes in. Ken Flo, you know, keeping it clean today. Uh, so, <laughs> UFC two seventeen, Madison Square Garden. My tickets are spoken for. I mean. Does this feel like a big deal, even though you don't have anybody on the card? And and will you be making your way to the Mecca Saturday night? I got to tell
2: you, man, I'm not feeling a a huge buzz for some reason. Definitely, or maybe it's just because, you know, the first time they were at the Garden, it was just a mega buzz. But um, I think I will be making my way there. Uh, You know, it depends on how uh, the training goes with some of these guys. I'm getting ready, but uh, I think I'm going to be going. But, uh I think it's good. it's a great card and it's a great night of fights and uh, you know I don't know why it's not sold out yet but uh, I'm I'm pretty sure by the time that fight you know by Saturday night that fight's going to be sold out.
3: Ray Michael Bisping against George St. Pierre can GSP get it done in, in a completely different weight class after a four-year layoff? You think? I mean, he's he, here's the
2: deal: super athlete. Both I love both of these guys too for different reasons, but. uh Look, if there's a fight for him to win at 185, this would be the fight. Like, I, I, I can't even see him fighting a wide a Romero, Rockhold, Jacare. I, I can't even see that. But this, I think because of the takedowns, mm-hmm. maybe. But i am still got to say that I think Bisping's just too big, uh, too much volume. He's hard to hold down. I, you know, I think the size difference, the inactivity... Uh bisbing has been really pretty active. He's fought some really good guys. I mean, I, I think I just I, I think George has really got his work cut out for him. I gotta I gotta pick Bisbing in this fight, even though I like again I like both guys, but I just think the lay of four years is a long time. So, so- And I don't know. That there's a there's a tough one. But I think he'll he'll make it an interesting fight. But you know, just getting back in there, getting hit again and I don't know. It, it he, he's like, again, he's got his work cut out for him. But if there's a, a guy to do it against, I think this was a calculated, uh, you know, decision on fighting, uh, you know, Bisping as opposed to some of the other guys that I, I just can't see him, you know, even the size difference would even be way big. I just, well, what does he do with a Romero? I mean, the guy's, a, a right. you know, he's he's huge and he's strong. and. You know, he's not going to take that guy down. The guy hits hard. These guys hit really hard. You know, I don't think Bisping's the biggest puncher, so I think he's got that going for him, but he does throw volume, and he's got great cardio. Yeah, it's a tough fight. I I think, uh, obviously, Bisping gets it done, but um, I I just hope George is good. And, and, you know, and in light of that, you know, seeing the Damian Myers and, you know, the other night, seeing Machida, some really class acts in MMA... Go down the way they went down. I I kind of hope that doesn't happen to George.
3: So you think the four year layoff obviously is going to hurt him more than help him? I mean, he he was here he was a guy who was competing. It seemed uh, you know like three four times a year as a you know defending his belt. It seemed like mentally physically this guy was exhausted. After the four years away from the sport, you feel like that that's going to hurt him now. I, I
2: feel like that's going to hurt him. I, I I like I always did like activity over inactivity. activity. I think he's going to yeah. obviously. I think that that's the the boy he's doing is he feels great. Probably got all his inju- injuries healed up, and you know mentally he's in a good spot. It's just a big difference. I think when you're fighting another guy at another level, you know in a in a bigger weight class. I think that's the problem. So right. like I think he's probably physically feels really good, but I just think the timing and all the other attributes. That come with being active, you know, uh, aren't going to be there, and that's that's where the that's where the problem's going to come in. I think he's going to feel great, but he's got. I mean, four years is a long time.
3: It
0: is. So, is Chris Weidman going to be in Stephen Thompson's corner this weekend, Ray? I'm assuming. I, th- I thought he had a he might have an analyst
2: gig. So I I don't know if Ooh, he'll probably. Yeah, he's going
3: to be on the desk with the us. Booth to-
2: yeah right is he is he what you can do yeah it, that it, yeah or? it's going to
3: be him Tyron and myself yeah
2: yeah yeah I think that's what he told me so i i guess uh i don't know i don't know how that's okay. going to play All out
0: right. but um well just just make sure Chris knows that Kenny's the lead analyst and that second chair. <laughs> that second chair is hey, Kenny. Uh, so just,
2: Kenny, oh you, Kenny, you make sure you. Kenny, you make sure you put your foot down. With yeah. Guys. Oh,
0: I should. It shouldn't be a problem.
3: Me, me, and Tyron and, and Weidman. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just uh, fend them off with my charisma. It should be fine.
0: I'll do. I'll yeah. do great. I'll do great.
2: Yeah. I'll try Charlie to give myself talk before beforehand yeah. to help you out.
0: <laughs> That's right. So, Ray, in terms of that fight, I know you and your team are very close to to Steven Thompson and his father, Ray. Tough one here against Jorge Masvidal, whom our listeners just heard from. Your thoughts on Wonderboy and what he needs to do to to get himself back in the mix here at 70?
2: Uh, you know, like again, I think they, uh, no question about really tough fight. You know, I'm always high on Masvidal. I like him. I like his attitude. Uh, technically, he's great. Uh, you know, for Wonderboy, Wonderboy's got to use his range and, you know— you know, those feet come out of nowhere at any given point in time, and I think he's got to look to catch him, you know, in between punches and, and uh, you know, just make sure he holds the range and doesn't get into, like, a, a firefight with the guy.
0: Short of uh, GSP and Bisping, the fight that fans keep talking about, at least with me, is this UFC Bantamweight Championship fight. Cody Garbrandt, first title defense against the former champion T.J. Dillashaw. I'm glad I don't have to make a pick on this fight. I can't wait to watch it. Any lean from you as to who gets this thing done? Both guys haven't fought since UFC 207 last December. Garbrand, Dillashaw, close on paper. Which which way are you going? Uh, I'm leaning towards Garbrandt,
2: man. I think he's got a big punch. Uh, you know, I think he'll probably negate the wrestling. It looked like the footwork uh, that, you know, Dillashaw is very similar to Cruz. Didn't pose a problem to him. It seems like he figured that out. So uh, but I'm leaning towards... uh towards Garbrandt, man. I think he's got the power to uh, get some respect and, again, keep it keep that fight where he wants it to be. And uh, to, uh, But, again, another great matchup, man. I mean, anything could happen in that fight. But I'm, I'm leaning towards Garbrandt.
0: No, this fight card's absolutely loaded. You got ranked guys like Corey Anderson and Ovin St. Preux, who just headlined a few weeks ago, fighting on UFC Fight Pass this Saturday night. So next big date for you, Ray, I guess, is December 2nd, UFC 218. Is that right?
2: That's right. That's I'm very psyched for that. We have uh, you know Aljo and uh, Morab, uh, uh on the same card. I'm very excited for Marab. He's a kid from the Republic of Georgia that you're gonna love. I think uh, you know look for him on that. Looking for a fight coming out in a couple of weeks, or a couple, matter of fact, within the week. I think you're gonna love that episode, and uh, I think it's uh, we're gonna have a great night that night. I like the way Aljo's looking already. These guys are training hard and get very very excited for the both of those guys
0: out in fresno kevin james blowing up your cell phone any word on when you're going to be back on the sitcom let's go
2: (laughs) no the cell phone (laughs) cell phone's kind (laughs) of (laughs) empty let me let me check while i'm talking to you now yeah nothing (laughs) all
0: right well we appreciate you taking the call today and again we appreciate your myriad contributions over the last two and a half years. And onward and upward, man. We're trying to take this thing to the next level, and and you're going to be this with us exciting, every step man. of the way. I didn't so.
2: realize this was the first show, but uh, very excited to be a part of this. This is this is uh, great stuff, and couldn't happen to two uh, two nicer guys than you two guys.
0: And well, you too. You, buddy. And me too. Yeah, That's I'll right. go throw
2: myself in Yeah. Me too. Yeah. All
0: right, buddy. Fuck off. We'll talk to you next week. Okay?
2: <laughs> awesome, man. I'll talk- <laughs> take it easy. Goodbye. See you
0: in New York. The Ray Longo Minute every week here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. And if you are listening to us for the first time, Kenny, so <clears throat> I approached you about doing this show probably midway through 2014. Right. April of 2015, about a year later, finally, you were like, all right, I'll do your stupid podcast. And, and no. thankfully, um, you know, we've been able to sustain it with continuity and be here every week. But I said at the outset that I wanted one weekly guest, and we talked a lot about it, maybe Matt Sarah, maybe Ray Longo. There were a couple other names on the list, but I wanted a colorful, ideally comedic personality, some sort of trainer, coach type, and not a fighter who would be a weekly staple on the show. And despite the fact that you and I are both Bostonians and I have a, a definite anti-New York bias, <laughs> we felt like Longo was the guy, and obviously at times he's really carried the show, so we're happy that uh, that Ray is a part of it, obviously. All right, so many of our listeners know one of the show's staple segments for a long time was the pronunciation of the week. So we see if our producer, the inimitable TJ DeSantis, can correctly say a fighter's name. We then play the audio file of a UFC fighter saying his or her name. So when I joined the UFC in 2011, no pronunciation guide. Now, not only do we have every single fighter on the roster say their name to tape, but we've worked on a phonetics guide. Myself and our coordinating producer, Zach Candido, Michael LaPlante, has helped as well. So we're trying to do right by all of these great athletes. So the pronunciation of the week, again, is sort of a step towards that goal. That being said, TJ... We're wiping your record clean. I think you were a couple below 500 or close to 500. N- not true. Like yeah.
3: 10 above 500. Negative. And it, Negative. What, is, what are you doing? Don't yeah. lie, Florine. Yeah, Come yeah, on. He was. He was a little off. Terrible. Is he?
0: Is he wearing makeup? TJ looks good today. All right. So we're zero and zero. Okay. We're gonna flatten it out. I need you to pronounce the name of the current UFC strawweight champion who this weekend fights in defense of her title against Thug Rose Namaunis. The champion's name is what? Joanna, Yonjec, that's what I think. All right, now now let's hear her say. All right, let me press this button here.
3: Joanna, Yonjec.
0: Joanna, Yonjec. That's a win, right? We're gonna give you the win. Thank but you, but Kenny, it's close. you know it seems it's as close. though. So it seems as though what has been adopted by fans. Look at the smirk on Ken Flo's face. Is is Yeon Jaechek. Even though you clearly hear there that she says Yeon Jaechek. Mm-hmm. Polish is a hard language, right? They told Polish people told me there's no way in English to properly pronounce Gdansk where we just were for Sieroni versus Till, mm. right? So on our broadcast I just said Poland because I didn't want to, you know, do wrong by that country. Sure. I hear her say Yeon check, but if it's said quickly, maybe it sounds like Yeon check. So right. correct me if I'm wrong, Flo. It seems like the adopted pronunciation is Yeon check, but in actuality, it's Yeon check.
3: Uh, yeah, I think you're right. And uh, I mean, I guess we can give it to TJ um, if we're being generous. We can give him that pronunciation. Generous. but I speak English. That's how you say it in English. All right? Yeah, but it's how the fighter says it, right? That's what we're
0: going with. That's what John just told, explained with the whole pronunciation. Right. Well, and I think candidly, when you hear the broadcast this weekend, you're probably going to hear both. You know, Jay check. It depends sometimes what you want to hear. How about this?
3: TJ can come. TJ will get it right. If you can spell her last
0: name right now, then what do you just. No
3: problem. I got it written (laughs) down right here. Yeah. Like I got it. We're
1: all good. We're all good.
0: You know what's interesting about that, and I don't know if this entire show is going to be on camera here today, but you get yourself to a point as an announcer where you're so comfortable saying these names that you no longer need the phonetics. So right. when I first called her fight, Kenny, I would write out ye own Jai check, right? Y-E-O-W-N, whatever, you know. Now I can just write J-E-D-R-Z-E-J-C-Z-Y-K because I probably typed her last name over 100 times in my right. life at this point. I believe so, all right, UFC 217, just a few short days away. Of course, check a big part of that. We're going to get Gianni Greek on the horn here shortly to make some picks. But, Kenny, I just want to, as I often do, give you a couple more names from UFC Sao Paulo, and you can give some shine to anybody that you want to. So Pedro Munoz. Nice job, I thought, by Munoz. This is his building, Kenny. This is his arena. And to get the win over Rob Font, who had some momentum, the one-arm guillotine performance bonus, I believe, for Munoz as well. So, big moment for him. Francisco Trinaldo, all he does is win in Brazil as he gets a unanimous decision out over Jim Miller. Tiago Maheta santos Kenny. I mean... This guy's frame is completely different than when we called that Steve Bosse knockout back in 2015. He has added a lot of muscle mass and work to his benefit as he knocks out Jack Hermanson. Lineker, unanimous decision win over Chito Vera. Fight of the night, Eligio Zaleski Dos Santos against Max Griffin. Uh, who's getting the love from Flo here on Monday morning, kid?
3: Well, I mean, a lot of guys deserve it. Uh, Santos, I thought, was very impressive against Hermanson. Uh, Pedro Munoz, uh, I I thought that was a huge win for him uh, in that very difficult uh, weight class. I I think it showed that he really is coming into his own as a fighter. Rob Font is not an easy out for anybody. Um, and Chito Vera, it it took him a little while. I feel like it took him until the third round to believe that he could have won that fight. Um, yeah, but that was a very close fight. A nice win from Lineker who was dealing with a guy in Chito Vera who just had a huge reach and height advantage on him. Uh, but again, showing that, uh, he's elite for a reason.
0: Yeah. TJ said to me, if the Chito Vera fight had been five rounds that, that Chito probably would have won that fight. And Chito did text me. He's just so disappointed because he was so prepared, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this was their chance. And not to say there won't be another one. He's a young fighter. But you get a guy like Lineker, right? All of a sudden, you're, you're a top five UFC weight. So weight. Yep. Um, so a good show in Sao Paulo. We now spin it forward, UFC 217, this weekend. Let's make some picks. It's the main event challenge.
4: The time is most definitely now. Oh, yeah. I finished fight. Do everything possible to win the main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast.
0: Finally, Ken Flow is human. Still wins the damn week. Not a great week though, picking fights for the Flow, or our guest picker, Gabe Killian for that matter. So Gabe goes one for five. Only hit was on Pedro Munoz as a plus 145 underdog. Flo went two for five. You hit on Francisco Trinaldo in addition to Pedro Munoz. Both missed on Damian Maia and Leoto Machida as slight underdogs. So Ken Flo picks up a point on the week, now leads it 80-69. to Heading into the biggest pay-per-view of 2017 and joining us to make picks today. Ladies, gentlemen, good friend of mine who I got to know when I lived in Las Vegas, outstanding handicapper, pro-better. And just an all-around good egg, he is Gianni the Greek. My man, good to have you with us today, G. How are you?
4: Thanks for having me. Never better. Great UFC card coming up this weekend. And, of course, we're in the in the middle of football season. So even though that usually gets all of the attention out here, when you have a mega fight and especially a handful of them, like we have with the upcoming UFC 217, sportsbooks are bracing for heavy volume out here. These fights are already attracting action. So they expect it to uh, continue, even with football being front and center.
0: Well, and the final two championship fights are pretty close, at least in terms of the numbers. So I, I, you might get two-way action on both of those fights. So we've got five picks today, and we'll work our way from the top of the main card through this championship triple header. So the first fighter who will make the walk uh, on pay-per-view, the undefeated Brazilian Paulo Bohnasini, two zero in the UFC stoppage wins to this point over Gareth McClellan and Olawale Bamboche. Now a step up in competition, Gianni. He draws the former UFC welterweight champion, Johnny Hendricks. Bo the minus 205 favorite here. The 34-year-old Johnny Hendricks in that plus 170 range. Gianni, the Greek, who will it be? You going Bo Hasinha or Hendricks?
4: Yeah, I expect this line to continue to climb as well. I mean, Bo Granted, doesn't have a lot of history, only two UFC fights. We know he's 10-0 as a pro, uh, but what I do like about him is the two UFC fights that he had, it was against guys that, that the first one was a, a switch, and the second one was a southpaw. So facing Hendricks, the southpaw, this isn't going to be something he hasn't seen before. So I like that, and I could see why some money's coming on the favorite. More importantly, when you look at Hendricks, this is a guy who's lost four of his last five fights, only three wins in his last nine, has changed weight classes. It's as if you're trying to reinvent yourself, I think, a little too late in his career. Yeah. Uh, for me, I- I'm surprised Hendricks is still fighting. You know, Who am I to tell a professional athlete of that caliber he should hang it up? But, I mean, just too many wars, twice with Lawler, once with GSP, and just not winning fights, even when it goes his way. I mean, he took Magny down six times, passed his guard three times, and still lost that fight because he was outstruck 50-18. to I think that's going to be what happens here. I like the favorite, and personally, I don't think this line's high enough. Um, I think if if this kid had, had four or five fights in the UFC, this would be one of the heavier chalk. I think you're just getting value because of Hendrix's name. I don't know how long that's going to last, but right now we're getting that even at minus 180, minus 200. I think the value's on the favorite.
0: Yeah, I agree with a lot of that analysis, especially when it comes to the betting line, Ken Flo. So this will be the fifth fight for Hendricks in the last 15 months. Staying busy. Big rigs got a lot of mouths to feed. I think like four kids Ken Flo, You don't want four kids. I don't know how many you're planning on having, but you don't need four. <laughs> I can assure you of that. That's a lot. Um. So so Bo and, and Johnny Hendricks, uh, how do you see it playing out?
3: Well, listen, yeah, Johnny Hendricks is trying to reinvent himself. Uh, but I-, I agree with Gianni. He-, he is doing it a little bit too late here. Uh, I-, I like the fact that he's switching things up and training with the, the Jackson camp in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I just don't think it's going to do enough. I think the value there in training uh, with Jackson and Wink is-, is the fact that they can give you a solid strategy. I don't think that's going to be enough here against Bo Hachina. Let's be honest. Hendricks is not a middleweight. You know, uh, I, I think he's kind of a, just a lazy welterweight, unfortunately. Um, and Bohashinya is going to get the win.
0: All right, next on the main card, the recent two-time world title challenger, Steven Wonderboy Thompson, minus 160 against the plus-130 underdog, Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. Probably one of the tougher fights, I would think, to predict on this card. Gianni, we had Masvidal on earlier. He says he bets on himself frequently and will probably do so again here. Question is, which way are you going, man?
4: Yeah. I got to love a guy that that has the confidence to back up himself, let alone his opinion uh, with his own cash. So my kind of guy, Stephen Thompson, this kid was born to do nothing but this. I mean, father owned the karate school. He's been training martial arts his entire life, 57 and 0 as a kickboxer. We all know that. Um, So, you know, his foundation doesn't get better than that as a striker, strictly a striker. And then, luck of the draw his brother-in-law carlos machado the kid gets a purple belt in jujitsu as well so i mean he's a stud (laughs) but masvidal i think is the guy that's being overlooked a little bit even though the 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 betting line isn't that high in thompson a favor it has gone in his direction opened around 150 now as high as 175 here in vegas at the Westgate, and i think thompson's going to continue getting the money because masvidal's overlooked but i think his form right now is as good as it's going to get i I thought that Maya fight was, was winnable for him, um, and, and prior to that, I mean, he had knocked out Cerrone, knocked out Ellenberger, so I don't think he's out of his element against a striker. Um, more importantly, he lands more volume, and I think he's better defensively as a striker as well. Will he get to the inside? Will he be able to take Thompson down and, and you know maybe get a takedown to help with the, the scoring? Possibly. Um, line value is what I look for, again, you know, the process is what professional betters focus on keep doing the process right eventually it takes care of itself profit will get there don't worry about winning that particular bet and it, the process tells me the values on masvidal as a dog i thought yeah. this line should be a lot shorter i think it's a coin toss and every time you're anytime you're going to give me plus money when i think a fight's a coin toss i gotta go with the underdog i'm gonna take masvidal on this one uh plus money but i'm gonna wait i think this line may continue to climb and we'll get an even better price on the dog
0: Sage, advice there from one of the best UFC cappers in the world. Mosfidal 130 for Gianni, the Greek Ken Flo, You know our scoring system here. You do get extra points for backing underdogs. You just heard from Game Bread about a half an hour ago. Which way you going here, kid? Thompson, Mosfidal need a prediction. Uh, you know what? I'm a
3: huge fan of Wonderboy. I, I think he has changed the game in regards to striking in a lot of ways in the UFC Um I I just don't like him coming off of this fight against Tyron Woodley uh, and going against Masvidal, a guy whose wrestling and grappling skills are vastly underrated. I think that Masvidal will attack um, both the wrestling game and the striking game of Wonderboy, uh, and will find one of them until he he finds that opening. Um, I'm going to go with Masvidal here uh, by decision over Wonderboy.
0: All right, the first of three championship fights this weekend, this one at 115 pounds. It'll be Ioana Ionjicek looking to tie Ronda Rousey's record for women's title defenses with her six straight. You may recall Rousey's UFC debut against Liz Carmouche was a title defense because she came in as the incumbent. So here, Yoana will try to tie that record. She is minus 400, Gianni, heavily favored to beat the underdog challenger Thug Rose Namajunas in that plus 325 range. Do you think Joanna's reign ends here, or does she keep it going and dispose of Nama Yunus?
4: You know, I hate to say it because I, I don't think you're going to get less than minus 500 when the weekend gets here. And if she's below 600 by fight, fight time, I'd be surprised because I think she's going to be locked into every parlay yeah. that is bet that night as pretty much the automatic. Um, and I think it's warranted. I mean, granted, the turn of profit, if you're laying minus 500, you've got to be right. of the time so could this girl beat the other one 85 out of 100 times if they met probably I think they could Um, I think the only way Joanna loses this fight is if she makes a mistake You know kind of like we saw Misha did with home and we saw Waterson did with with Rose in her last fight You know if this girl gets your back you could be in trouble. Um, I just don't think that's going to happen here I mean listen Claudia took her down seven times the first time they met four times the second time you know I wasn't able to, to, to submit her. I don't think that's going to happen here. I think Joanna wins this handedly. I'm in mean, no rush to lay minus 500, but there's right. nothing to really make me say this is a live dog here. Again, if I gotta hope a mistake gets made, I just can't can't back that. And uh, for me, it's it's the favorite or nothing at all.
0: Kenny, I think you want to check the more known quantity here. Nama Yunis coming off a big win against the karate Hottie Michelle Watterson. That was back in April by Rear Naked Choke. She fought for the inaugural belt in this division, as I'm sure you recall against Carla Esparza. That was her UFC debut, December of twenty fourteen. This is an evolved fighter now. This is a completely different animal in Rose Nama Yunis. The question is, Kenny, at twenty-five years old. Can she put it all together this weekend and be the first to beat Ioan Jacek in mixed martial arts?
3: You know, I think Nomi, Nomi Yunus is a different fighter. The problem is the time to beat Ioana was probably a few years ago when she was still developing as a grappler in regards to her wrestling, her jiu-jitsu game. Um, and I think the only way you're really going to get uh, Ioana down is if you are more of a powerful wrestler. Rose Nomi Yunus just isn't that kind of fighter. She's not. She's probably going to be smaller than Ioana uh, out there. And... For that, I just don't think she has enough of the striking skills to really um, penetrate the armor of someone like Ioana, who's just such a slick and devastating striker. Um, I think Ioana gets it done here and uh, probably gets the finish.
0: All right, co-main ra- event. Okay, yeah. No, we for here. the for uh, Look at this guy. Yeah, I was I wasn't I was sure. ready. I wasn't sure. ready. Fox Sports. All right, <laughs> co-main event UFC Bantamweight Championship of the World. And if I know Kenny as well as I think I do, I would imagine. This is not a particularly easy exercise here, Kenny, to have to pick between Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you see a clear winner here. Garbrandt, title defense number one here, Gianni, against his former friend and teammate, the former champion, TJ Dillashaw. Right now, Cole, Cody holding about minus 160 or so. Come back on Dillashaw, plus 130. Uh, Gianni, here we will need the round and the method of victory. Who leaves Madison Square Garden as the Bantamweight champion of the world?
4: Yeah, another tough fight. This is a great card. I mean, anytime it's tough for the betters, you know, it's going to be fun for the fans, you know, right. to watch it. And it's and one of those fights it. that's going to be fun for everyone. I, here's the thing with Cody you know what you get you know he's 11-0 and 82% of his wins have come by knockout you know with TJ it's a little split he's 15-3 but he you know 40% by knockout 33 by decision 20% by submission seems a little more well-rounded when you look at their stats their analytics they're almost identical I mean very similar the only difference striking difference is maybe a little more volume on TJ's side. You know, he lands more strikes, um, you know, throws more. uh, But otherwise, their analytics are very close. Um, I think what's more interesting is the history with these two. I I think that's what's driving the betting line. All the team alpha male stuff, all the Jim wars who has the psychological edge, how similar these guys are. I think that's what's driving it. And that is the part that's so hard to quantify. And what I mean by that is when we're talking football, if a running back goes down very quickly, I could quantify what he's worth to the betting line, what an offensive lineman's worth to the betting line, what a, oh, Tom Brady's worth to the betting line. But it's very hard to figure out what emotion's worth to the betting line, and, and that's what this is, makes this fight so difficult because most of the, the line is based on that perception. For me, I look at these factors. Cody's coming off a back injury, and more importantly, I look at the level of opposition. And I, as, as hot of a fighter as Cody is, as dominant as he is, if you look at his resume, he kind of got a chance to, to jump a couple of those top five guys and get a title shot against Dominic Cruz because of their history, where TJ really had to fight his way to that spot. And I think he's the more battle-tested of the two, and the fact that he took the fight so quickly when all the talk is how Cody had his way with him. You know, in in the gym, to me, tells me, you know, Dillashaw's confident here. I'm going to take him as an underdog. This is a line I think is going to keep climbing as well. If I could get plus 150, which I think is going to be there, it's already there, Um, I don't think it's going anywhere, i got to take Dillashaw. He's going to be the shorter guy, but it's going to have the longer reach. Give me Dillashaw. I think he goes to a decision. I'm going to take Dillashaw by decision, goes the whole five rounds, gives us great 25 minutes of action.
0: Yeah, I would think betters Kenny, would start to salivate if TJ Dillashaw got as high as plus 150. No doubt, as Gianni articulated, he is the more UFC-tested fighter. Am I right in saying that this is a hard one for you to predict, Flo, or no?
3: It's extremely hard for me to pick. I like, I really like both of these guys. I'm friendly with both of them. Um, I think extremely highly of both of their skills and their skill sets and what they've accomplished in the UFC. Um you know, uh, for me, though, you know, Dillashaw, I thought had one of the most brilliant game plans I've ever seen executed in a fight when he fought Borough in the first fight. But who surpassed him was Cody Garbrandt against Dominic Cruz. Uh, what was so brilliant about it was the fact that he allowed Dominic, he said, you know what, I'm not going to chase you. That's what makes you so brilliant as a fighter. I'm going to let you chase me. I'm going to wait for you. Um, and I just thought, I don't know if that was just. An execution of a game plan from his coaches, or that was, whether that was Garbrandt feeling that out during the fight. Regardless, it was brilliant, and I think Garbrandt um, is a very intelligent fighter. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Yep. What else? You know, the other thing that he has is that crazy power. Um, if he touches you, you're going to go down. In order for Dillashaw to be effective. Okay, What makes Dillashaw effective is his ability to get into the pocket and land strike strike after strike, and he puts them together. He doesn't have the power uh, of a Garbrandt. I think he realizes that, but he gets you with volume. But he's got to be in the pocket. And I think Garbrandt knows that, and he loves that fact. And if he's trading with someone like Garbrandt, I I don't know how Dillashaw can get out of there without not getting knocked down in this fight. And I think that... One way that Dillashaw can have an advantage is by trying to wrestle Garbrandt, trying to put Garbrandt on his back. That's where I think Garbrandt is probably weakest. I just don't think he can take him down either. I mean, I think Garbrandt's been perfect in regard to his wrestling in the UFC when it comes to defense. I think Garbrandt is just way too confident right now. I got to go with
0: Garbrandt, man. Gianni, did you want to get back in there, my man, or no? No, I, I, okay.
4: I, I was listening so intently because I love a fighter's perspective, and more importantly, a, a fighter that knows these guys as well as, as Kenny does. And, you know, that's why I was simply listening to everything he had yeah. to say. I, the only thing I don't know about Garbrandt is how he reacts to adversity. That yeah. we haven't seen yet, really. You know, and and again, you can't know that until it happens. Just like you can only beat who they put in front of you. You know, it's not right. your fault. And I give him all the credit for that. But I think that's the only question mark I have on him. What happens if things aren't going your way? And will that happen in this fight with Dillashaw, you know, puts him in, those, in that deep water, in that position, how he responds. But everything Kenny said makes 100% sense. And, you know, again, I'm not diving headfirst into Dillashaw after that one.
0: Yeah, you're right. I yeah. would have rather roll. have him agree.
4: Yeah, I'd have agree.
0: give you some pause. Kenny, so Cody Garbrandt, for you, do you have a round or a method of victory for me? Do uh, you think he knocks him out? You
3: know what? I'm going to go with uh, third round TKO.
0: Third round TKO. All right, well, that fight, one way or another, will set the stage for this UFC middleweight championship fight. Michael Bisping, title defense number two, welcoming back another future Hall of Famer. The consensus greatest welterweight champion of all time, George St. Pierre. His last UFC fight, five-round split decision win over Johnny Hendricks. That was November of 2013. Bisping has fought eight times since St. Pierre's first retirement. So here's GSP making this triumphant return. He will do so at least right now. Gianni has a slight betting favorite, minus 120. Bisping around even money, depending on where you're looking Have we seen early action, Gianni, one way or the other? Ultimately, where do you think this thing closes and who gets their hand raised?
4: Yeah, what I love with this is that you're seeing a different price at different books, which is a rarity in today's world where they just copy lines off each other, uh, which pretty much tells me that they're already seeing action at certain properties. And from the early action, it's coming in on Bisping. Um, And that's not surprising. All the talk is he's the bigger guy. He's the fresher guy. He's the guy with the momentum, like you touched on. You know, he's coming in, what, off five straight wins. So he's got a lot going for him. And that's why I'm not surprised the market started going in that direction. You know, again, St. Pierre coming off the layoff and uh, so many questions. And even though we have a lot of analytics to look at, it was. Four years ago, so I mean, how much stock can you put in in those numbers? So you got, I got to be cautious at looking at that. With, with this being here's the reason I'm not, you know, so in love with that side and. I hear all the the arguments on it, but Bisping is at his best when he's the underdog, man. I mean, when when you're not expecting it, he's just that kind of fighter. It's just been that kind of career. He's a grinder, you know. He's not a front runner. He just hasn't been that kind of guy, and now all of a sudden he is. And I'm just not used to seeing him in that position. I don't know how he's going to handle it um, you know, when he goes in, which St. Pierre, you know what you're going to get. You know, I, I don't think that the the years off is really going to change his approach. I mean, you know how dominant he was. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be undermanned here as far as size goes. I, I think, if anything, St. Pierre's probably going to be the stronger of the two, at least hearing fighters, fighters that you speak, know, fought both guys or, or have sparred or, or wrestled whatever with each of the, the guys. They say he's as strong as, as Saint Pierre's as strong as Bisbang if not stronger. So I don't think the size is gonna be that huge as as a lot are saying. Bottom line, I, I like Saint Pierre in this one. Um I just think he has too many ways he could win this fight. Where with Bisbing we know what it is, is is, is he gonna be able to out, overpower him, and, you know, just knock him out. I just don't see that happening. Um, I I think he's too open as a striker. He's not as accurate as it appears. Only lands, what, 38%. So I don't think he's going to outstrike George like it's being, you know, the perceptions out there. I've never seen George St. Pierre really get outclassed in striking. I don't think that's going to happen here. And with his wrestling advantage, I think that's going to really help him here. And the local biz been great. He's a great cage walker. I think St. Pierre will put him in the, down in the middle of the, uh, of the cage. I don't think he's going to have that easy of a problem. I think this one goes the whole five rounds too. If you look the total of the rounds four and a half, the money's coming in on the over. It's now 145 on the over. I think it's going to go to a decision. I think St. Pierre gets a decision, and I think it's a unanimous one. I think after the second round, he starts grinding it out and makes it easy. I like St. Pierre to win this one. I like the over as well. I think it goes to a decision.
0: All right, Kempflo, a lot to digest there. Your thoughts on what Gianni had to say, at least in terms of the size. You know, Ray Longo always Backs the bigger man over the smaller man, as you heard previously. I remember him talking about the Weidman-Gastelum fight and saying, how's a guy this small going to beat Chris Weidman? And and those words proved to be pretty accurate. But, Kenny, your thoughts on what Gianni had to say this fight and, and ultimately who is going to win it?
3: You know, what Gianni said uh, really makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, Bisping, uh, I, I don't think uh, that's an easy fight for George at all. Um, but... George isn't that that kind of guy who takes big-time risks. I think he does see something in Bisping's game that makes a lot of sense for him at 185 pounds, and um, I, I don't think George would just come out uh, and fight just anyone at 185. Yes, right. it's for the belt, but I think he does like this style matchup, and I think he likes this style matchup because Bisping does have a, a very bouncy kind of in-and-out uh, striking game, and... There's no one in the game who reads footwork better than a George St. Pierre. His distance control, his ability to read when you're going to come in is what allows him to have such an impeccable reactive takedown. He keeps you on the outside with that long reach. George has a very long reach, uh, a very good jab. He utilizes it to the fullest, gets you to come in. And the way that Michael comes in, um, I, I think will allow him to hit those takedowns. The question is, can he do it for 25 minutes? I think George can certainly do it for 15 minutes. The fight gets riskier as it goes on. One thing we know Mike, about Michael Bisping, he's going to have to be asleep or you're going to have to do something to threaten a limb um, before he... He's going to keep coming at you, basically. Okay, You have to put this guy out. Michael Bisping will keep pursuing that knockout every single second of every round. Um, I just don't know if he's going to be able to get it. Um, I think he can. I think it's a dangerous fight Uh, for, for George St. Pierre. I hate that I have to pick this fight because I really like both these guys. George St. Pierre, a former training partner. I work with Michael Bisping on a regular basis. Um, have so much respect for both of these men, but uh, I'm going to have to go with a, a decision win here for George St. Pierre. Right, it's so going to be heard. a war. It's not going to be easy. I think there's going to be some rounds won for Michael Bisping. Um, but uh, I
0: think GSP wins it three to two. And we'll see if your prediction remains the same as you see these guys and make your predictions on the UFC weigh-in show and pre-fight show coming up at UFC 217. All right. On Twitter at Greek underscore gambler, Gianni, the Greek, I know you're doing quite well in the super contest that continues. If our listeners want to find you, is social media, the best way to do it?
4: Yeah. Just hit me up on Twitter at Greek underscore gambler. And again, thanks for having me on. And, uh, great fight card and hopefully a good betting card for us when it's all said and done.
0: Thank you, my man. Tremendous insight. We look forward to seeing how it all plays out this weekend. Have a good week, all right?
4: Thanks for having me, guys. Enjoy the fight.
0: All right. Gianni the Greek with us for the main event challenge. Killer lineup, UFC 217. Obviously, we went through the main card there. We mentioned earlier Corey Anderson, Kenny OSP, these guys on Fight Pass. The fight I got my eyes on, though, in terms of the prelims on FS1, the featured prelim, James Vick, Joe Duffy, James Vick is loading up on himself. I haven't seen the betting line there. I'd imagine it'd be pretty close. I think Vick will be the favorite, maybe in that minus 150 range. James Vick is loading up, folks. This is one of the more avid gamblers on this UFC roster. So may want to tail James Vick and bet on him. You can be sure that he's going to load up on himself. So it all goes down this Saturday. Prelims on FS1, 8 p.m. Eastern, and the pay-per-view, 10 p.m. Eastern. Now, Ken Flo, you'll be in New York City, got UFC tonight, and then uh, and then work in the desk
3: Yes, sir. Wall to
0: wall, I guess, right?
3: Yeah, man. uh, Taking off to New York City tomorrow, dude. So I I got some packing to do. Yeah. We'll be doing UFC tonight out there. Then uh, weigh-in show and pre- and post-show. So uh, a busy week. Can't wait. So excited to be out in New York City. It's been a little while, man. So uh, let's try to find some time to hook up, too.
0: Yes, sir. If I had known you were going so early, I might have tried to get out there a day early. I'll be there (laughs) Thursday morning, and we'll be calling the pay-per-view with with Joe Rogan and Daniel Cormier, and and really just honored to have the chance to do it. So a huge weekend for the MMA leader coming up this Saturday night. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you to our guests, Tyron Woodley, Jorge Masvidal, Ray Longo, Gianni the Greek, our producers, TJ DeSantis. Thanks also to everyone at Fox Sports, sincerely, for making this happen. And thanks to all of you for listening once again. If you have comments, questions on the show, you can find us on social media at Anna Florian pod at John underscore Anak at Kenny Florian. And we'll try to get back to you at some point during this crazy week, probably when we are in trance. All right. With that for Ken Flo, I'm John Annick. Have a great rest of the week, folks. Enjoy the fights. We will talk to you once again next Monday. Until then, yo later.
4: The John Annick and Kenny Florian podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only.